Welcome to the Probate Mastermind Podcast. These episodes are recorded live once a week and are hosted by the AllTheLeads.com coaches. Agents, investors, and wholesalers join the coaches for everything from marketing tips, sales psychology, live deal analysis, transaction engineering, advanced real estate strategy, and personal development. You will learn to get more listings, more deals, and find financial freedom by listening to these episodes. Be sure to catch show notes at AllTheLeads.com slash podcast and join our free Facebook mastermind community, All the Leads Mastermind. Welcome, thriving agents and investors nationwide. Today is Thursday, October 22nd, 2020, and this is Mastermind Podcast number 301. We have four people in the queue, so let's get right to our first caller. Hi, everyone. Can you all hear me? This is Rosie Hayer from Austin, Texas. Hey, Rosie. Hey, Rosie. Loud Awesome. So guys, I am actually calling with two scenarios. Okay. Number one. So I'm working with a lot of investors and lucky day, they're starting to send me some probate business. This particular investor was working with this pre-foreclosure lead who has inherited this property just recently, but apparently the property has been in pre-foreclosure. The foreclosure is not until December. We got all the details. It seems like investor cannot handle the deal at all because there is no margins there, but clearly the property can be easily sold as is online and the seller can still walk away with 20-30k in their pocket. Now, the problem is the seller, the person who inherited the property, had bad blood with his parents and family. And he just literally doesn't want anything to do with it, no involvement. And I'm speaking with the attorney directly. And uh, this is like, I have attorney's email in front of me where he said that Lesker is afraid of his shadow when it comes to business and family interactions. So I feel like I don't want to ruffle any feathers and be too uh, assertive in, in my ask. So I wanted to ask, what should be my workaround in here? This guy clearly can sell the property in a timely manner, still walk away with equity, even with all the behind payments and stuff like that. And just because he has bad blood, I feel if he's made aware of what is possible, it seems like he would cooperate. But when I reach out to attorney to find solutions that can attorney do a POA or there's somebody who can be their POA and I can just move forward with the process, I'm getting a pushback from the attorney. Is there something I'm missing or is there a different way to handle it to get them to see things differently? So the person you're referencing that had a bad relationship, are they the representative? They're the administrator? Yes. Unless they give up that authority, then there's really nothing you can do. And if he's unwilling to do that, I I would say you're talking to his ego. And I think the only way that you can resolve this in the best interest of everybody is to just have a really candid conversation with him. And listen, we have resources with investment advisors and other real estate investors. I can take that $30,000 and turn it into a legacy Mm -hmm. for you. Is, Mm -hmm. Is this really is costing yourself that financial opportunity going to make your relationship with your dead parents any better? Let's start over fresh today and and let's Mm -hmm. get this out of your life. And let's start with a positive, like we'll get the equity in the home, we'll get that home gone, you never have to look at it again, and then we'll grow that into something you can be happy about having. If you do this the rest of your life, you're gonna think about it. And you, we both know you're hurt, you're in pain, and your ego is what's driving the bus here. So let me do what's mm-hmm. right for the community. Let me do what's right mm-hmm. for you. And let me do what's right for your family. And what I do best is maximize the equity for families and then continue to help you grow that over the rest of my career. 
And mm. that would be my approach because he's if he's in that defensive ego loop, he's never going to subordinate because he feels like he's getting one over on his old man. Mm-hmm. And just remember, we're all big mm. children that at some point our spirit of play was replaced with these formal rules and beliefs. Mm. And talk to him, talk to the, the traumatized seven-year-old or however old he was when whatever happened, that's who you need mm. to get through to. Mm. So I would take the emotional approach over the legal Mm -hmm. approach because if the attorney is already showing apprehension and he Mm -hmm. is obviously and he's made up his mind you're probably Mm -hmm. not going to get anywhere using that so i would try to show him how that money can actually help his emotional state and Mm -hmm. over time it can really help because you have the connections Mm -hmm. like you can connect them up with the other players on your team and mm-hmm. turn him into a lender. Even if he never wants to spend that money, be like, okay, does he have kids? Yeah, he got kids. And the most I was able to get through all the education, this is a handoff from an investor to me. So there was a little shift in the conversation. The little I got out of him, Chad, was that his fear is, I asked him, I said, what is your main concern? It seems like I'm concerning you and I'm not able to address it. He said, one of the concerns I have, Rosie, is that I don't want my parents' debt to come upon me if I sign anything on their property. So he's in a big misconception of how this is all going to go about. That's where I left, but I'm definitely willing to take the emotional route approach and really talk to bigger children like and talk to the seven-year-old in him when he really got mad with his parents or where he lost relationship to see if he can start fresh. You remember that probate attorney you were so proud to come tell us about three or four weeks ago? Yeah. This is where you ask him for a favor. And this is where you say, listen, I know we're just building our relationship, but I do need to ask, can you help me help somebody else? Mm. Can you send me an email explaining from a lawyer standpoint, can you send me an email? Mm. You don't have to use any names and and your name will not be passed along. So you're you're not bound to this as legal advice, but can you give me a legal opinion on why a family is protected in, in, when representing an estate? And you could also pull the state law. If you go to Texas, if you go to the mm-hmm. statutes, you can actually pull the law and send that to him. But mm-hmm. you might also get just say, listen, because we don't want to establish an attorney-client relationship, I have taken mm-hmm. his name off of this email, but you trust me. So mm-hmm. trust me, this is an attorney that we work with, one of the people on our team. The only reason mm-hmm. I'm not giving you his name is because there's a conflict of interest. You have an attorney. But something mm-hmm. I can offer you is, is proof from my legal team that mm-hmm. you know, this is exactly why you have no liability in this situation. You know, his own attorney should be telling him that, but who knows what's going on there. But if you can get your attorney yeah. to give you that opinion and then just make a PDF of that section of the code and send it to him, mm-hmm. I mean, he clearly has no liability. And it's it's clearly no it, well, it's written in the law, but it's written at like a 14th grade level. That's why I'm suggesting have an mm-hmm. attorney do you a favor, bring that down into layman's terms and mm-hmm. pass it along. And maybe that'll create mm-hmm. enough of a breakthrough. Maybe that is his real mm-hmm. hang up. I would almost mm-hmm. bet you based on the way you told the story, I would almost bet that it's more emotional than legal. It's very emotional. It is just he's afraid of his shadow when it comes down to business and family interactions, had bad blood with his mom and dad. Uh, apparently, right. yeah. So I'm definitely, I think this is really good advice. So I'm definitely going to follow Because it. he has kids, Rosie, turn his own gun on him. He's trying to do mm. something to spite his father. And what he's going yeah. to do is spite his own children. So you need to, to wow. paint a picture for him. You can turn $30,000 into a college education in 18 years easily. I mean, on accident, right? So what happens if you don't touch the money? You don't have to be part of it. 
But so your mm-hmm. kids feel the opposite of how you felt with your parents. Let's put this into a five two nine plan with my registered investment advisor. And when they graduate mm-hmm. high school, you can let them know they never have to go into student loan debt. Let's make this a positive for your family for once. Let's make you feel wow. good about this. Very nice. Very nice. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, perfect. I'm going to definitely do that. And I'd like the attorney advisor as well to get their opinion and open up another leg of conversation. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. I have one more real quick. So the second one I have is a probate lead. I'm getting callbacks, guys. You know how good it feels? So those positive dispositions are calling back. They're emailing back. And this guy, first of all, acted very suspicious. Long story short, we sent some video text messages and he's back and engaged. What I'm surprised by is that he just got into probate in September. It's a beautiful $350,000 home he inherited. But he, he on the phone, he was like, Rosie, can I call you back? Which property? They're very acting oblivious to the fact that they inherited a property. And then I asked him, I said, oh, would you please share with me, like, how are you related to the person's, the deceased person's name? Like, I asked it in the as a part of the conversation to make sure that it is him, that I'm talking to the right person, and he's aware of somebody by that name. And he's like, let me step out. And then he calls me back. I only want to know, because I haven't had these kind of conversations with probates yet, what could be possibly happening that he doesn't want to really acknowledge the person that he inherited the property from, or he is he's acting the way he is. Let me step out and let me call you back. Who is it again? What property it is again? Do you think it's worth Does anything? he have a common name, what? Rosie? Huh? Yeah. Does he have a common name? like John Smith? It's No, it's William Taylor. What could be happening is in the skip trace, we grab somebody in that same zip code with the same name, and mm-hmm. he could be thinking, oh, oh, this is, I just won the lottery. And um. it's obviously like, I would test him. Hey, we've got an item in Lost and Found. If you can come tell us what it is, give us a brief description, we'll return it to you. And treat mm-hmm. it like that. So call back and say, listen, we really want to make sure we're protecting the families we serve. So just mm-hmm. so I'm clear, what month did Mr. Jones die? And if he can't tell you what month mm-hmm. that was, then he's probably trying to find a way to profit from this, and you probably got the wrong John Doe. I see. I see. Okay, so that's possible, too. Good to know that, Chad. Thank you so much for enlightening me on that. Perfect. These were the two questions I have. And one more question, Chad. I want you to know I haven't forgotten about my challenge yet. Was I supposed to collect the six testimonials of the probate closings or any client closings that are successful ones? Well, you should take that idea and run with it in every aspect of your business. But if the six, the challenge issued were six probate testimonials, so we can build that into your marketing. Got it. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. I I thought so, but I just wanted to double check and uh, I'm already starting to ask people for that. Uh, So I just want you to know I haven't forgotten about it and I will definitely uh, share my progress as I make it. Thank you, guys. Thanks for being here. Oh, hey, Rosie, uh, one one question I'm betting some other people have. You mentioned Mm -hmm. video texting. Are you just using the message app on your phone or do you have something that you do your video texting through (laughs) that you would recommend to others? Yes, definitely. I'm actually using LineDesk. So the system we have set up is that my husband and I will work together. So we have Mojo Dialer. Mojo allows us to make the dial out of the phone number that we like. So LineDesk is a CRM. You can have your leads in there. You can do video text. You can do an email video as well from the system. It allows you to record it right in the CRM and send it right away. So what we do is to keep 
things consistent, we use the same number from LineDesk to make our outbound calls in Mojo. And as people come back with positive dispositions, I personally follow up with a video text on the positive dispositions only. The people who are like, yeah, follow up with me. And I do a little intro text with them and just normal follow up after that. Okay, perfect. Thank hey, you. Hey, when you use LionDesk, is that using like a bomb bomb extension or anything like that? Or does LionDesk literally in their software do video text? LionDesk literally in their uh, CRM has a video text without any bomb bomb integration. Okay, okay, got mm -hmm. it. Awesome, perfect. Those of you that, that do not, those of you that huh? don't have a CRM that does video integration, you can plug bomb bomb in for video texting as well. Yep, that's true. Great stuff, Rosie. Thank you, as always. Keep coming back and sharing. We appreciate you. All right. All right, Danny, you're up next. Hey, guys. Hey, Danny. How's everyone doing? Danny, what's up? All right, so my question is a bit short. I don't know if it's uh, too crazy, but I've just run into this now. I just want to know, like, how you guys, in your own ways, how do you, like, rank your callbacks? Or is there a certain way you prioritize getting back to certain people? Or just, like... Some, something like that because I've called quite a few hundred people now and there's some people that like I try and get back to ASAP and there's people that I just didn't answer and I try and call them back well within the next week or two weeks and I just want to know if there's a if there's a certain way that you guys like prioritize how you call back I want to be clear Danny so callbacks you're you're referencing follow-up calls not returning like calling someone back from a return call yes yes like me yeah just calling yeah. them back so are you using, yeah, in the up. option status tab, are you using the rating, like the lead rating? No, I haven't used that. Okay, so that would be the first step, is when you make a phone call, book it, at the bottom of the lead record, you'll see four tabs. The third one is mm -hmm. option status, and that's where you opt them out. But you can also apply a rating to them, so you could rate them as follow-up. And one of the ways that I've done, I've helped people customize their prioritization is make sure that anyone who you intend to follow up with has a lead rating of follow up and then make sure that on the other tab, you put in the date that you want to follow up with them. And an additional step in case something falls through the cracks is go back to the first tab and use the short code field. And that's there for your customization. So you could use a, like a one, two, three, four, five system. So your short code would be one, and then you go to the next lead that maybe that's a short code four because it's a hotter one. And then maybe this next person's flying in three days and you, you rate them follow up uh, short code five. And then that way you can add the short code to your column headers in the list view, and you can actually sort by ascending or descending. So in that scenario, you would follow up, so you could filter it down to just follow ups and then call 54321. There's many different ways uh, to customize that using short codes. You could say, just for example, you could say the short code could be land or condo or commercial real estate or residential. You can, you can put in their motivation level. You could say desperate, disengaged, estranged from family, whatever it might be. But that, the follow up rating is there for everyone. The short code field is how you can further customize that for your exact needs. Okay. Okay. Got gotcha. I'll throw in that's assuming that you have gotten the person and had a good conversation. If you've not been able to touch base with them or have a conversation yet, in my no. personal business, yeah, but we're going after a minimum of three calls per month to everyone that we have not touched base with. And that's a minimum if you can do more, because I know that you're hitting the phones almost like an ISA would, do more. Every two weeks 
is is a is an aim for people that you haven't reached haven't connected with yet. And that's okay, a good gotcha. point. Thanks for catching that, Bruce. So, Danny, the way that we manage that for the ones you don't speak to, you would rate them as follow up. In the short code, you could put call number one, call number two, call number three, call number four. So once you've like laid out your sequence, so that way when you look at all the follow ups, some of them will have a rating of just the number one. The others will have call one, and you'll know that you haven't hit them with call two. So it help, it's just a way to use the short codes to keep track of where you are in the sequence. And that's how I set it up. We've got a, a subscriber in Richmond, Virginia. That's He's a very aggressive prospector, a very successful investor and broker. And that's how we've set his up. So when he has VAs making calls and he has his wife making calls and he's making calls, it creates a consistency across all the lists where everybody knows what call one means. And if they see call three, they know that call four hasn't been made because when someone makes call four, they change the short code to call four. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, yeah, it does. So whatever your sequence is, if you say, all right, I'm going to call at least 12 times, I'm going to call this list. And you would create short codes, call one through 12. And then every time you looked at it, regardless of where you left off or when you come back to it, you'll be able to see the last activity was call three for that lead. And you can also sort by that. So that's why I'm recommending a short code because it makes it just a sortable list that will help make you more efficient. Yeah, that sounds like that's going to drastically help me with that organization there. Okay, great. That pretty much answers my question. Thank you guys so much. I'll be sure to put that into effect. All right, come back and let us know how it's working out, please. Next up is phone number ending in 9379. You're up next. Hi, this is Mike, and I'm brand new to your system. The question I've got is looking over some of the leads when they're on the do not call list and there's no email, what is your guys' suggestions about the best way of reaching these people? Most people are assessing their, and obviously you have to assess your own risk, but most of most people who are seasoned prospectors are making the calls. If you're a solo practitioner, you don't have a call center, you have some liability, but most people are comfortable with that. We do it. We do indicate it, but right. we've never had a problem with it. Our subscribers haven't. Okay. I just wanted to kind of run that by because that's the way I was feeling, but it's better to ask and then play dumb later. And nearly 7 million dials. We, we've had one occurrence of anyone being approached about that. And it was right. in the Southern District of New York, which is a relentless litigation territory. Right. But they didn't even file a written complaint. It was just simply a phone call from that office saying, hey, we got a report in this office that you called someone on DNC. Just don't right. be doing that. And they didn't, there yeah. was nothing even formal about it. So that's the only right. indication, like that's the only, literally the only one I'm aware of in seven years of doing this. So most people look at it as an individual caller. Most people look at it and say, yeah. It's an apology goes a long way if you get right. somebody like that. I did hear last week, actually, somebody also in New York, They I was coaching some, I can't remember who it was, but they got a call from a lady, like they called, and then this person called them back and tried to interrogate them and ask, what's your name? What's your brokerage name? Trying to gather information. And he right. was smart. He just said, thanks for your call back. You obviously don't need my help. And he wrapped up the call. So just if you ever do find yourself in that situation, just thank them for their time and quickly move on. Okay, perfect. Now, I'm just going to add to that, Chad. You answered it great, very diplomatically. We are. We would never 
attempt to give you legal advice. Remember, though, that this person you're speaking to has agreed to be the executor of the estate, and they've agreed to put their information into the public record. So it's pretty difficult to take a hard and fast line after they agreed to do that. I, I, didn't, I didn't want anybody to call me. And we've had attorneys tell us that. But like Chad said, you got to risk-reward ratio. I think it's one of the, probably one of the safer categories where you can go ahead and stick your neck out a little bit and make calls. Okay, perfect. All right. I appreciate it. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. We have two more in the queue, guys. We have room for more. Just hit star six and hit one. And in the meantime, next up is phone number ending in 8628. You're up next. Hello, this is Kim. I'm in the Atlanta area. I am new as well, getting started. I have a question, but I wanted to go back to the previous caller when they were talking about short codes. So in setting up my calling, could Chad, could you elaborate a little bit more on, because I, I signed into my, while you were talking, I signed into my uh, portal, but I don't see where about short codes. Okay, so get get on the list view where you can see all of the leads. Is that where you are right now? I like, can choo- Choose a list. Choose your September uh-huh. list. Okay. Now you have a list view. In the top right, you'll see customized columns. Click on that. Now click on short codes. Okay, I'm sorry. Hold, in, the top, in the top right, it's over. Hold on. Is it the... Oh, okay, okay, okay. So I see customized columns and then do... Okay, I see short codes. Okay. So click short code, it. then it will show up mm-hmm. in the header on the right. You, you now see that in the list view, right? So now you click into any lead, just pick one and click on the, the personal rep's name. Okay. At the very bottom of that lead record, you'll have four tabs. Tab number three is option status. Mm-hmm. And that's where you can apply a rating, like I was suggesting you follow up. Tab number one is where you put the input, where you input the short code. So that lead that you have open, just type test where it says short code, type in the word test. Okay. Okay. Now click save and go back out to the list view. So just go to the top and click the five little lines and that'll take you back to your list view where we started. I'm here. And now click where it says on the far right column header where it says code, click on that and it'll sort ascending or descending. Uh, The test will show up. I see it. Okay. Where you put test, you can put anything. Like you, I've, I have people that drop off gifts they, or they send premium mail pieces. So you could drop in there shock box or premium package. And so that way you can use that. If there's something very specific to your methodology, that's why that's there. You can customize CRMs without having to beg a development team to make changes that will affect everybody. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. So my question, it comes from, this is actually a previous client, and his grandmother is, she's in a nursing home now. She has signed everything over to him. So as far as the home, as far as her will, she's still living. As far as her will, she is giving him the home in the will. He has power of attorney right now for anything, any business that needs to be handled on her behalf. So in a call with him yesterday, he was saying that he wanted to do a quick claim deed to deed the house from her to him so that he wouldn't have to go through probate or something. And it didn't make sense to me, but what did resonate with me is that it could have or have a look of impropriety because here he is, the power of attorney signing on behalf of his grandmother, and then he is basically signing the house over to him. So I'm just looking Mm -hmm. for some wisdom on 
how he should handle this, especially the fact that she is still living and he is named in the will receiving the property if she were to pass. Yep. So she should have done that five years ago, not now, but now's better than never. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a smart move. Very, like very many wealthy people are doing that this week. They're giving their assets to their kids in case they don't get the election result they they want. So a lot of folks are re- are hitting their advisors right now, moving assets out of their own names. So it's a smart move that many people do. Most people think like you're like, I don't know if this is right because it's not common, but it is common among mm-hmm. people who are financially savvy. So it's a smart. The biggest question I have is who is paying for her health care and are there Medicaid liens against the asset? Okay. That's the only place where this is going to get complicated. If she doesn't have medical debt or Medicaid liens attached to the house, this is simple. It'll take a day or two and she's good. Now, if she later needs Medicaid payments, then Medicaid is going to come back and say, listen, you sold this house within the last five years. Somebody needs to step up and give us 60% of that. Otherwise, we are going to slap liens on it. You can alleviate that in this situation, which I'm just going to hypothetically say there's no Medicaid liens on it currently. Mm-hmm. You do the quick claim the heir owns the home and later she runs out of cash and needs Medicaid to pick up her nursing. Medicaid comes back and to the power of attorney who is now the owner of the house and says, hey, listen, you've, you've, got, to, you've got to give us this money. Otherwise, we're going to attach a lien to the house. He has a couple of choices. He can let them attach the lien if he never plans on selling it. Just make it, it attaches and no big deal. Or he could go pull a home equity line of credit on up to an 80 LTV and pay them out. He only needs to pull it probably to a 60 LTV. So if he can refinance the house in this low rate environment, he can pay Medicaid the, the 60 the 60%, and then he buys a life insurance policy against his mother to give him that money back to pay the loan off when she passes. So he's not profiting off of his mother's death, but he's allowing her to get her Medicaid payments paid and to get the house to him not going to the government as she wished. So he, if, and that's a complicated scenario, it may be way simpler than that. If there is no, med- if she has cash or she had long-term care insurance that's covering the bills, none of that will really mm-hmm. matter. It'll be a really clean transfer and it's totally above board. So here's the, I guess the, the tricky in it. One, she goes in and out of dementia, and he was saying that he would sign as the power of attorney, he would be signing the quick claim deed. So you're saying that if we can catch her in one of these phases where she's operating in her pool. I don't believe it even matters. If he has a full power of attorney, and if Mm -hmm. she was of sound mind, and that will Mm -hmm. is notarized, and especially if it's recorded, but if it's a valid will, that demonstrates her intent. So she has demonstrated intent by saying, I want him to have this in the will. She's also demonstrated intent by saying, I am currently of sound mind, and I feel comfortable with this person being my power of attorney. So I think any attorney is going to look at that and go, she obviously wants him to have the house. Like They're only carrying out her wishes. Okay. And then the second slight twist, and it may not be an issue, is that the house that the the, the house doesn't have, he's going to tear the house down and rebuild. So would that even matter as far as you're talking about as far as the lien? Because it wouldn't be a piece of property they can put a lien on if he tears it down. The lien will technically attach to the parcel ID. So gotcha. if, if let's say it's a hundred thousand dollar house and they put a sixty thousand dollar lien, he tears the house down and the land's worth forty, he's underwater. 
but it doesn't sound like it matters if he's going to rebuild. He has money. So I don't. I don't think. I don't think there's an issue there. Okay. So what I can do in this as a recap in this situation because he doesn't have a probate attorney, so I can air quote kill two birds with one stone. Let him know that it's okay to go ahead and do the quick claim deed it over and then maybe refer him to a probate attorney, reach out to a probate attorney there, and say, hey. Are there any other heirs? No. he's don't, There was okay. one other, his sister, but she passed away, so it's just him now. Okay. You're probably okay doing that. If there were even one more heir, I would say the first thing you do in this case is get a probate attorney attached to the case. But nobody's going to dispute whatever is done because the will clearly states that she trusted him enough to give a POA and they may not need a probate attorney. Okay. And would you suggest but, that we that she records the will or that he records the will? When yeah. Obviously, whoever wrote the will should have it on file. I would go ahead and as long as he doesn't care if the world knows, I would go ahead and record it. That's the easiest way to validate one is to have it notarized and recorded. But you can also, if he's okay with, if he, you probably, he probably should have an attorney because if he makes a mistake, it's going to cost a lot more than the legal fees to do it correctly the first right. time. But that attorney could basically hold that as a trustee. And then you know that there's a valid copy of the will there. It's probably not going to be an issue because he's the only heir and he's the POA, mm -hmm. but. And then what I, I can take this also as an opportunity to build a relationship, introduce him to a probate attorney and build a relationship with them as well. In so. case he needs help. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. That is it. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. The next up is phone number ending in 6628. You're up next. Hey, guys. How are you today? Great, Scott. How about you? Hey. Hey, I'm looking to segment my last batch of leads. One with the spouse and the other non-spouse and looking to download two things, looking to download it for mailing for the non-spouse and then looking to download the other to my dialer that I use. Any suggestions? You can use the short code and put okay. in spouse, non-spouse, and then that'll give you a sortable column and just delete the lines that you don't want for either export. The other how alternative do you, How do you use, tag the ones that are uh, non-spouse? To download any way you want to. You could just put non-spouse as your short code. That you were listening when I explained how to use those to do that. I was. So are we, like, your, are we doing your mail, or are you doing it yourself? You're doing my mail. Okay, because we can certainly help you with that. I'm sure one of our customer support people could. Uh, Chad, if you want to briefly explain it. Yeah, the same way I was talking about earlier is using phone call one or two. You would just, if there's a matching address and matching last name, that's likely a spouse. So you would, the short code on that one would be spouse. If there's an out of town person that's the, the PR with a non-matching name, then it's probably non-spouse. So you would mark that one non-spouse. Then when you export, that will be in your CSV file and you can sort and just delete the ones that are non-spouse for that order. Are you going to mail? Are are you looking to? You're you're going to mail everybody. You just want to do it with two different letters. Is that what your your objective? Yes. Yeah. I don't want to. Okay. I don't. My primary thing is I don't want to call the spouses immediately. So I just want to separate them out on my from my dialer calls. So that's the most efficient way I see to do it is just using the short code as a sortable column. Understand when you do this, you're going to have to upload a custom list in the mail order form. So you'll you'll export it, then you'll delete the spouses, and then you'll re-upload that into the mail order form as a custom list. So that way, you know we're we're only mailing the ones you want us to. And this is 
alternatively, if you want to do it, if you want to automate this, you would use the option status tab on the spouses and you would opt them out of mail. And But you need to remember at, at the point you do want to mail them, you would have to go back in there and opt each of them back in so they come back up on the mailing list. Yeah, I think that that's what I like. That seems like way more work to me than what I'm suggesting. I like less work. Does that help? And again, please contact customer support. Our mailbox new people will be glad to help you with that if you need help. All right. Appreciate you guys. All right. Now we got five in the queue. What did I tell you? <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> next up is in 6388. You're up next. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay. This is Ron Cram. I'm in Arizona and I'm new. I started with you guys like about a week ago. I had a phone call with, I think it was Bruce Hill. And then I, I had to finish up a couple of other projects that I've been working on. I feel like I've forgotten everything that I learned from that valuable phone call with Bruce Hill. And I'm, I feel like I'm beginning from scratch. And I, I just want to ask a couple of questions about training with you guys. I watched the initial fast track training, but I want to, I want to hit the ground running as much as I can with uh, letters and phone calls and all that. But I'm wondering if I feel like I need some additional training. What would you recommend? So you sound like you have the appetite to, you, I think you'd greatly benefit from mastery. So in mastery, we build on why probate's an opportunity, look at the demographics and the statistics behind it. Then we move into strategy, like exactly what are you going to do and in what order, like how how wide is your offer going to be? How you know attractive will it be? And then we move into how you make calls, get engagement, handle objections, and deal with the appointment. So literally everything end to end is, and it's it's all it's a very it's linear, so it builds upon itself. But all in all, like the October class, I think is the best one I've ever done because we had an audience that they had really good questions. We we talked about advanced tactics a lot in the Q and A. If you sign up for Mastery, you can get that recording of the October file today and then you'll be in the live class in november and you can come back as many times as you would we have one of our subscribers just finished her 40th class consecutively so you can come back and get as much knowledge as you need as often as you need it but that's the 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 space where we take we everything slows down and we take a lot of time and do a very deep dive into all the possibilities of this that's your best bet i think to get what you're looking for and how many hours total hours uh, video is the video training for mastery. The October class was about 16 hours. Okay. And is it set up so that I, if I watched an hour or two or whatever, I could then go and do something, take some positive step forward, and then come back and watch additional hours? Sure. I don't have it in an LMS because I do it as a live class. So it's not like a digital course, but you do have the recordings there on GoToWebinar. So you can pause it and leave the tab open and come back anytime or just write down what where the timer was when you stopped. But yeah, you can watch it as many times as you, you can skip and they're always there for your reference. And each okay. month you can get a new set of recordings. If you register for the class as alumni, then you'll get the recordings for all the subsequent classes. So there's three sessions. And the sessions run two to three hours. But I kind of go just freestyle until everybody's questions are exhausted. So you're going to have a couple hours of actual course material and then a couple of hours uh, each episode or each session. You'll have two or three hours of open Q&A. Okay. And then what I was going to add, we try to give you everything you could possibly need included with the leads. And that includes Bruce's great monthly coaching. A lot of people aren't aware, though, Bruce is a 
highly successful realtor and a very experienced coach. If you want additional accountability coaching and you want more than what we offer with the leads, he is available for that. Just reach out to him. He'll tailor something that fits both your needs and your budget. Okay. It sounds to me like it it sounds to me like you're looking for some kind of accountability coaching in addition to everything else that's available. Is that accurate? I want to be held accountable for doing what you're supposed to do. I want to have time to do what I learned to do before I learn more stuff and forget the stuff that I was supposed to do before. (laughs) I want I want some chance to do something because I really feel like it gets cemented in in my business if I'm doing that thing. And then I can go and learn some more. And then go back and apply that. But if I just sit down and try to do 16 hours, I'll have a good big picture, but I'll not know how to do what it is I want to accomplish, I'm afraid. Gotcha. Bruce, you want to chime in? You want to have a private conversation with him afterwards? Yeah, Ron, I sent you uh, I sent you an email a couple of minutes ago. We can have another chat next week. Grab, grab my calendar link, my Calendly link. And jump back on my schedule. We'll get you on the right on the right path. Whether it's okay. advanced and paid or whether it stays free, either one of those are fine. But I sent you an email a couple of minutes ago. Okay, great. Thank you, Bruce. Appreciate it. All right, sir. We appreciate you. Anything else? Are you good? I'm good for now. Thank you. All right, great. Three more in the queue, guys. That should take us nicely up to the top of the hour. So good job in signing in early. Next up is phone number ending. In 8564, you're up next. Yes, good afternoon. Dr. Cohen here from New Jersey. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. We are glad to have New Jersey back. Welcome back. Yeah, I just got my mailbox motivated, so I guess you guys were able to get into the county records. Finally, yes. In, in Not all of New Jersey, but much of it is slowly coming back. Two questions. One is, have you ever thought about getting your course Certified by the National Association of Realtors. I have spoken to them about it, and I, I don't like that the, they expect a split on it that I believe is unreasonable. So I feel like I can, without having to pump the price way up to please them, I can reach more people with it non-certified. Okay, but I just had to update my profile on my MLS, and I wanted to add it to it, but it wasn't one of the things that I was able to do. Just curious about that. Second question I have is I have a client that I sold her mother's property and recently asked her if she was interested in becoming a private lender, and she said yes, and then I got stuck. So do you have any uh-huh. formats, performance for three letters, what uh, money mortgage would look like, that kind of stuff? I could give to her. I, I usually do it at the closing table while the attorney who writes my notes and deeds of trust are, is sitting there to answer any of the questions. You may just set up a meeting. Do you have the attorney that you would use if she came to you today and said, hey, let's do this. Here's a hundred grand. Do you know which attorney you would direct it to? Because the ones that I typically use for my real estate business does not, don't really do that kind of work. Yeah. So what the best way to find that attorney in my in my experience is figure out who the investors that are buying foreclosures or short sales or tax deeds. Figure out who they're using to to manage their closings. What what attorney's office is doing. That means they have dealt with with tricky title issues. They've done creative creative real estate law. Those are usually well versed and subject to and wholesale and private notes and things like that. So I would say step one is make sure you have the right team member, meaning a, a good real estate attorney who is used to doing creative things and doesn't think just because he didn't do it last week, it's illegal. And trust me, even attorneys think that they can't write mortgages, some of them. But once you have an attorney you're comfortable with, I would recommend just set up a call with all three of you and just talk it through. 
I wouldn't really, I, I don't really publish anything. I just have conversations with people and I let them know that they'll have, we'll certainly give them an opportunity to have every question answered, but every loan looks a little different. It's based on their needs. Like what happens if the loan goes out of term or if somebody misses a payment, maybe you want a penalty. Maybe you want the interest rate to increase as the penalty. So it's I presented as each one is customized so we know that your needs are met and that you're comfortable with the investment you're making. Let's jump on a call with the attorney and, and we'll figure out what the, and then I can send you a summary of what we discuss and what our strategy will be. But I don't have any marketing pieces. I really, I, I don't want to issue marketing pieces saying, here's an investment I'm offering. Because if the, if it doesn't go as planned and they go to the SEC or to somebody the state board or something, I just don't want something like that to say, you, you're out here marketing this like a security. Where if it's a conversation and they understand that it's a commercial loan and it's unregulated, then I just keep it at that. And I've never had any trouble in doing it that way. And people usually feel really special because you're like, oh, actually, let's get the guy on the line that actually is going to represent your side of the deal and write the note and deed of trust. And we'll ask him everything you want to know. And that's usually well received and all it takes. But I would go ahead and get get the right attorney on deck and you know ask them if they've written private notes before. If they're working with investors, chances are they've dealt with a, they've done a lot of them. It's not that complicated. It's way simpler than a conventional loan because it's not regulated as as conventional lending is. So it's, right. it's pretty simple instruments. Gosh, in Florida, Jim, what is it like two pages we sign or something? Here in Virginia, yeah. it's more than that. But like in some states, it's ridiculously simple. We have a one-page mortgage, Chad, and I know looking at yours, Mike, Virginia figures out everything that could possibly go wrong ahead of time and includes it in the mortgage. Huge contrast between the two states for sure. Yep. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Two more in the queue. Second to last up is phone number ending in 7225. You're up next. Thank you. Hey, this is Jerry at REMAX in Denver, and we've been in the program for about three months now. Our mailings have been going out on time. I haven't made one phone call yet. I really need to get motivated to make these phone calls. And I feel like I need to take the mastery training and restart start with a phone call. Because we have a normal real estate business with this. But I really enjoyed this program because it seems like it can produce some a steady flow of listings. So there was a caller about three callers back. You suggested doing the mastery. What do I need to do next? I need your help. So if you just go to, if you're on alltheleads.com, look under the complete system, and it's the first or second one down, it says uh, probate certification. Hey, Jerry, uh, question for you. Do you Have you called other lead sources? Have you called FISBOs and expired? Yes, but not for a long time. Our business has been by referral for the last, okay. mostly by referral for the last 10 years, but that seems to be tapering off. But no, I did not do much okay, I uh, just, calling, not much cold calling for sure. Okay. I'm just going to assure you these are vastly easier than almost any other source out there. The conversations are easier. you got less competition. So don't be apprehensive that it's going to be difficult. It really isn't once you start making the calls. Okay. And, Jerry, this is Bruce. In addition to the mastery class that Chad can fill you in on, you should also be jumping on my schedule. So logging into your portal and clicking on the training drop-down, 
and then schedule yep. a free coaching call. In that, they're called accountability calls, which it sounds like you're wanting a little bit more of. You guys hear me okay? Or do we, Okay, Jerry, you're still there. So yeah. it sounds like you want a little bit more of that. I will go, whether it's a strategy call with you or an accountability call, whichever type of format you need, get on that okay. schedule. It's free. Every single month, you get a free coaching call. Jump on there. I'll okay. help you get started on those calls. Awesome. I've got it pulled up here right now. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Let me start adding. When did Bruce suck and you need us to help you get caught up on all the phone calls, we have an ISA service that can reach out and do some of that initial dial work for you and get you caught up. And then if you want to take it over yourself, you can, but we can certainly help you with that. And that's also available to you. Just let us know you need that help and we'll be happy to talk to you about it. So where do, how do I let you know I would need that help? Just drop a request to support at alltheleads.com and say, have somebody call me about the ISA program. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the help today. All right. Thank you, sir. Next up is phone number ending in 2860. You're up next. Hi, guys. So this is Dan in Boston. Quick question. I've got a neighbor, actually. The, the mother died. She's 103. The two sisters are 70. They cannot agree on anything. I know they both need to punch out of the property. So I was going to step in and try to see what I could do in terms of helping them get on the same page, make a decision on whether they want to sell it to me for cash or they want to list it with me. Are they co-executrix or is one in charge? I'm not sure sure about that yet, Chad. Is it Chad? I would, yeah, this is Chad. I would try to get them all, get the three of you on the phone or if you, if they're comfortable meeting you in person, ideally in person and figure out why they can't agree because that's what matters the most. So you'll hear me say it often, focus on people and situation and the rest of it becomes apparent. Like it's easy to really impress them once you understand why they're behaving the way they're behaving. I would first want to hear from each of them. I like to get people in the same room and give each of them a voice independently and then watch how they watch the interaction between them. And if it's, it, 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 who knows, it could be anything that's we're humans. So find out what's bothering them and why they can't agree. And you might find that one is just that they're in too much pain thinking about selling mom's house and they're just not ready. And that's one that you'd probably back off of. Or you might find out they're just pissed off at each other because she broke her cake carrier 30 years ago and she still hasn't gotten over it. And that, that one's an easy to overcome, right? Yeah. But I first would want to understand why there's inconsistency. Like, why are they, why can they not be, why are they not aligned and what can I do to help them get there? So the best way I know to do that is, and maybe it's just a phone call. If they're that age, they may not use Zoom and they may not be comfortable meeting in person. So I would suggest see if you can do a FaceTime call or if they have cell phones or see if you can just do a conference call and talk it through with them. I know one of them pretty well, and I do not know the other sister. The only thing I know, according to the first sister, is that she's just kind of agonizing over every little thing that the mother owned and just dragging her feet. I'm sure I could talk with the first sister because I've known her for about 15 years. She lives next door, but I've always helped them out. I'm sure she would you know, start to share a little information with me, but I, I guess I have to see what's going on to figure out a tactic. It gets tough when you have that situation. And my grandmother's house has been empty since 1988 or 1998. My dad just can't like, and it's part of the family farm, so we wouldn't sell it anyways, but he can't even really bring himself to rent it. And it's because he just, he, he just hasn't completely dealt with it. 
And so some people are just like that. Some people never let go. It just takes them literally a lifetime. And if they're doing that, you can remind them how much money it's actually costing the family and how that's going to cost the next generation. And they'll sometimes get out of their own way. But if she's just really raw and can't process the loss, you sometimes just have to give them their space. Is there any way if the woman I know is a little close is that I'm a little closer to is she the if she's the executor of the estate is there any way for her to just force the other one's hand It depends on what the will says but it's very likely yes unless the will restricts her power or gives the the other sister equal power as a co-executrix then yes it is her job and her duty it's she has a she has a fiduciary responsibility to the estate to get it done it's, it would depend on what the will says Wait, first is there a will i'm not sure i don't yeah. remember yeah. yeah so find out if there's a will if there's not then she has all the power and that the state gives her if she's the the sole executrix and there is no will then it's subject to state succession law and if she wants to sell the house she certainly has the authority to do she just owes her sister half the Okay, great. I'll dig in. All right. We but, have two more people. That, we have two people that jumped in the queue last minute, so we're going to go a little bit over time here. Let's, uh, if possible, let's try to make the last two brief. Next up is phone number ending in 5522. You're up next. Okay. My name is Yolanda, and I am in Georgia. I've been a licensed agent in, since 06. I haven't been very active. I used to work on site and by referral. So I think I got spoiled. I never had to go after any leads. So I took the introductory, what I thought would be introductory, and I told her, like Chad said, it's been advanced. So a lot of it was over my head. I am motivated, but I just feel that I'm not quite ready for leads. I guess I need signs, lockboxes, cards, website, the website, the brochures. I just it might need the coaching call. But and I even thought about looking for an introductory a class that I could put it what I learned in October with Chad with. So I'm guess I'm just trying so to see. Getting you on Bruce's calendar for just a, a monthly coaching call, just so you guys can talk. Bruce's he, he's you know, built his own real estate company and in, in, in different markets, so I think he can help you understand what you should be doing, what your priority should be right now, and lay out like your launch strategy because it sounds like you're starting from the very beginning. And Bruce has trained several new agents, so I think he's, he'd be really good. Just take some time and, and take good notes, and he'll give you some homework. When you get that done, then I would suggest you go ahead and get your first set of leads. It's easier to steer a moving truck, right? When we have real people to talk to and real opportunities, everything else falls together way more easily. You get to a point where you have the basics in place to have a foundation for your business and then get your leads and just start one step at a time. From there, you'll have probate fast track as soon as you get your subscriber portal access you can have probate fast track, which is the basic training. And then also don't forget all of these calls are archived. All of our role play calls are archived on the blog section of alltheleads.com. We have a series called Ask the Expert. We have a series called Tips from the Trainer. So there's a lot of ancillary training too that just kind of lives outside of what we teach in fast track and, and mastery. But so you've got a ton of resources here. It sounds like more than anything right now, you need to focus and the best place to start is just a quick initial coaching call with Bruce. Yeah, and Yolanda, I was, I was gonna, if I may also, I was a real estate coach for years. One of the biggest 
mistakes I think I see people make is they want to know everything before they do anything. It's honestly, it's, you're really just dealing with a motivated absentee owner. It's not as complicated as we can make it sound on these calls because we get into everything that could ever happen. And if you get the leads and you start prospecting, you don't know an answer to a question, people are okay with saying, hey, you know what, let me check. I'm part of a group of 10,000 people. Let me give you an answer and call right back. So don't, I guess, I just don't let uh, paralysis by analysis stop you from getting started. It's great to have the knowledge, but you don't need to know everything before you do anything. And Bruce, I think you wanted to say something too, right? I was just going to tell her that if she's not already a subscriber, if she's not getting leads, then she won't she's see not. my uh, calendar link. So she should email me, Yolanda, email me at bruce at alltheleads.com and just ask for my calendar link and I'll send it to you. Okay. Thank you. All right. Does that help? It does. It does. Because I was trying to something, yeah, probably trying to get a real estate investor and social service. So I've made some calls, but I just feel that I need to probably check, rewind. Sure. Okay. All right. Thanks. Thank you. And our last caller just appeared, Yolanda, so you are the last one this week. But make sure you get a hold and, and talk to Bruce, and he'll coach you through it and give you the confidence you need to get started. So thank you. Well, like I always do, I want to thank each and every one of you for being here. I want to particularly thank the eight or nine of you that actively participated. And I want to challenge each of you, take one thought, one idea, one thing that inspired you on this call, go out and put it into practice, and please come back next Thursday and share your results with the group. Stay productive, stay healthy, and we will talk to you same time next Thursday, guys. Take care. Thank you.